Palm Sunday was yesterday, and I, I kind of like to think about what happens on uh, Passion Week, uh, like what happens Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, kind of just to help me think about what go, what Jesus went through that last week of his his what we'll say his normal life here on earth because we know he stayed, he come back after he come back from the dead and he showed himself to over 500 people. We know that that happened. <coughs> but it's, it's uh, Palm Sunday. I learned something about Palm Sunday. Uh, the title of my message is, is two parades and two perspectives. Now, did you know that life is about only about 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you react to it? <laughs> and if we're not careful, we will live by how we react to life instead of how life really is meant to be. But our reality is really our reality. But to be able to see ourselves through God's eyes will always be a challenge. What I mean by that is that God has a perspective. So you say amen. amen. God has a perspective. Amen. And because God has a perspective, he created us in his image so we have a perspective. And perspectives are like opinions. You know, we all got one, right? So only, really, only about 10% is what actually uh, it, it, we react more to our circumstances, I think, than we really are meant to. And many times our emotions run us. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I wish all those other people were here tonight. Well, they're not here, but we are. But I, I learned a few things this past week, and, and somebody said one time that everybody likes a parade. I don't know if I'm weird or not, but I'm not a fan of parades. I mean, it's like, eh, take them or leave them. It, it's just not that big a deal to me now. Some of y'all that really love them, you're like, well, well it's okay. It's about perspective. When uh, a long time ago, the the Italian, I was the the general manager for the Fellowship of Christian Cowboys, and they the Italians called the office and they wanted to challenge the Americans to a, a rodeo, and it was the 100 year anniversary of the Buffalo Bill Wild West show. So we got a team together. Long story show, short, flew over there. Uh, they gave us our horses the day before the performance started. We, we started to really feel like we really knew what Buffalo Bill felt like. It's like, like the Italians got us. But the reality was, was that they didn't know anything about. They were not on the same level. They were, they were like play games. They would. They was like. Well, our game is we put a flower in our shirt, and whoever can take the flower out of the shirt and, and winds up with the flower at the end of the game wins the game. And I'm like, we don't do that. <laughs> we, our game is roping cattle and throwing cattle down. And, and so it wasn't a competition. It was just a show. 
first day of the show, and, and um, it, the, the performances were televised, the World Cup of Soccer, and this, this Buffalo Bill Wild West show was the most watched show at that point in time, what, what was going on there. And um, so me and my friend, we're sitting in the back on our horses waiting for the performance to start, and it's hot. We're out there for like two hours. And the guy running, he says, Randy, get in here. So he said, you bring somebody. And I, I bring a friend of mine. He said, go in there, go in there. And so we, we go in the arena. Me and him are walking into the arena, and uh, and I looked, oh, Jimbo Scott was his name from Montana. I said, what are we doing? He's like, I don't know. And, and the crowds are there. And all of a sudden, everybody starts clapping. Yeah. And we're like. <laughs> it was crazy. But there was no purpose. No purpose at all. Let me tell you something. I want to challenge you tonight. We have a reason for being Jesus had a reason for being. Jesus was so intentional with his life. And we're not there just to put on a show. We're not there just to, just, uh, but, and, and not to know why we're here. We're here for a reason. And we're here for a purpose. Two parades. Fresh eyes. Tonight, I want to give us some fresh eyes on something that y'all are real familiar with, the parade into the city of Jerusalem that Jesus, when Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem, the parade was a little bit of out of character for Jesus, for the way that Jesus actually lived up to, to this point. Because you remember when he turned the water into wine and whenever he healed the paralytic, and he, he would always tell them, uh, go your way and don't tell anybody. You remember him saying that? And uh, what did they always do when he said, don't tell anybody? They always told everybody. So we tell everybody, tell everybody that nobody tells them. No. <laughs> Maybe we should say, don't invite anybody to church on Easter Sunday. Then everybody would show up, right? But Jesus was out of character because he was coming through Jerusalem on the donkey, and they were putting palm branches, and, and they, were, they were celebrating. They were saying Hosanna to God in the highest. The intentionality of going into Israel, he only had three and a, a three-and-a-half-year ministry. You think about it. I've been trying to do this for 50 years, not near the success Jesus had. Not even close. For three and a half years, Jesus was so intentional. They say, uh, how many of y'all have been to Israel? Raise your hand if you've been to Israel. Just, just a few. Um, in Israel, there, we went to Israel and we come back, and people are like, oh, where'd you get out of Israel? And, you know, and they think that because you went to certain places and everything, that everybody's going to, you're going to be. It, it wasn't. The, the one thing that I got from Israel was that Jesus was so intentional with his life. He covered a lot of territory in three and a half years all over Israel, just going and doing and being. And, and he is, I could just see how structured Jesus was. Now, I got to confess something to you. I'm not very 
structured. In fact, the lights went out yesterday uh, in the middle of the second service and they were out through the third service and we didn't have any power at all. And uh, I just loved it because I, I like different things. I love to shoot from the hip and different things, but, but I'm not that organized. And everybody that knows me knows you, you're probably wanting to say amen. <laughs> so we have this, this uh, uh, history tells us that there was, there was a parade. And I'm not talking about the triumphal, triumphal entry of Jesus. Jesus came through the east gate, which was the back gate of Jerusalem. There was somebody else that came through the front gate. And I didn't really even know this, but historians tell us that every year, on Passover Sunday, Pilate would come through the West Gate and he would bring his soldiers and he would let everybody know that Rome was in charge. And he would bring his entourage. When Jesus was coming through on the donkey, Pilate was coming through on the, on the horse uh, and, and all of his soldiers and, and their, their, their spears and their swords and, and their, they wanted Rome, they wanted Jerusalem to know that they were in charge and that God may be their God, but Rome was their master. And you see, that's the reason that Jesus came. He came because, because they were oppressed in Jerusalem. It was like they were the low people on the totem pole because Rome ruled over Jerusalem. And they were okay as long as they were doing what the government told them to do. A little bit like we are right now in America. They're okay with us. I mean, when we're trying to get a Supreme Court judge and she doesn't even know the difference between a man and a woman, we got problems. Amen. If she doesn't know when life begins, we got problems. But if we'll be quiet about those things and we won't speak up for the word of God, as long as we stay in our place, our government is okay with this. But we become the bullies and they want to put our thumb on us. But I'm going to tell you something. The truth of the kingdom of God is that the three and a half years that Jesus spent on this earth, he declared himself as the king of all kings, as the president of all presidents. And the king of kings will come back because he rules in the kingdoms of men and whom he wills, he is more than able to abase. So the Passover is a high holy day for the Jewish people. Jesus and the disciples, they make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem along, along with hundreds of thousands of faithful Jews. And this was kind of a threat to Pilate because you remember in Egypt, whenever God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, uh, they knew that, that, that the Jewish people's God was an all-powerful God, and they wanted to keep their thumb on the Jewish nation of Israel. And so, so Pilate, Pilate he, he was very, very prominently placed during Passover week because it was, a, it was a very crowded city at that point in time. 
He was the governor of Judea. His job was to keep the peace, especially during holy days when emotions ran high. Pilate made the 60-mile journey to Jerusalem accompanied by the Roman soldiers. Uh, Jesus' humble yet triumphal entry into Jerusalem stood in contrast to the magnificence and brutality on display at the opposite end of the city. All you had to do was go to Golgotha's Hill where they crucified people for going against Rome. Jesus brings peace and Pilate brings a sword. Jesus entered. Jesus' entrance was planned this way. Two disciples slipped away from Jerusalem to secure the cult from its owner. And I've read this before. You remember, it says the Lord needs it. He said, tell, tell the, the, the guy that owns the cult, say the Lord needs it. And we've all preached about this. But literally what the Greek said, and I've read this before, but I never understood it until today, till this week. The Greek says for the disciples to tell the cult's owner that the cult's owner needs it. It never made sense to me. But I realize, and you guys have heard me tell you stories about, about how God, uh, how the, when, when I get horses, I pray over them and I, I give them to the Lord. And then the Lord, uh, if the Lord wants me to give them to somebody, I give them to him. It's kind of like that. So what's ha what happens is the cult's owner apparently was a follower of Jesus. And because the cult's owner followed Jesus, it meant that everything that the cult's owner had belonged to Jesus. So he said, tell the cult's owner that the king over the cult, the king that really owns the cult, needs the cult. Tell the cult's owner. So if anything, if we have anything, it's like when, when, when God said to give my horse away to somebody, uh, he reminded me that it was his horse. And what I have, if I belong to God, then everything we have really does belong and see, that's an exercise that I think is important for us to continually put inside of us because if anything we have doesn't belong to God, do we really belong to God? So David, do y'all remember the story of David and Absalom? Absalom was David's rogue son. Absalom wanted to be the king. You remember that? And so he gets all the people that he can to get, to get together. And he puts on this big feast and, and anoints himself as king. And he says, I'm the king. Bathsheba, Solomon's mama, that was married to David, she goes to King David and says, oh, king, we got a problem. Absalom declares himself king. I thought you said that Solomon was going to be king. You know, you know what David said? He said, go get the king's donkey. <laughs> Y'all come on, stay with me. Said, when, and so he put Solomon on the king's donkey, and Solomon rode through the streets of Jerusalem as the king, and Absalom, well, Put it this way, Solomon got the gold mine and Absalom got the shaft. <laughs> put, 
put it lightly. So the Jewish people, they were overtaxed, they were oppressed, they, they were the racial minority, they longed for the Messiah to come redeem them from the evil Roman Empire. Uh, isn't it wonderful that Jesus looked beyond Jerusalem and saw Montgomery? The only thing that they could see in Jerusalem was Rome. But Jesus, being God, looked beyond Rome. He looked beyond Pilate. Pilate wasn't a big deal to Jesus. He wanted the whole world to know, for God so loved the world. Not just Jerusalem, but the whole world. Whosoever believes in him, he would have marched in with the full military might. So the celebration of the Passover was tense, a tense time in the, city of, in the city of Rome. Every year at the Passover, 200,000 gathered to worship and celebrate. You see, what they would do, you remember, they would bring their sacrifices. And they would sacrifice their, their, their lambs, their, 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 uh, their doves, and they would... Uh, that was when Jesus, remember Jesus turned the temple, turned the, the tables over in the temple because they were, they were selling, they, they were, yeah, profiting over these lambs like, like they were like dealers. And uh, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But they were all bringing the sacrifice. And what happened was, was that the, the, the Sanhedrin, the church people, they had been bought out by Rome. You remember when God put all the priests together in the Old Testament under the law? Under the law, they weren't supposed to have any land. They weren't supposed to have that, that God was their inheritance. That was all that they had. But what happened was Rome bought out the preachers. I don't know if you ever thought about it like that. But they bought out all the preachers are so Rome ruled because that was their, if they could get a hold of the religious system in Jerusalem, they had Jerusalem. If Washington can get a hold of the religious system in America, and I'm not talking about a revolt, I'm just saying we got to be who we got to be. And we can't be influenced away from or intimidated or manipulated. So Jesus comes and he says, I am the, <clears throat> the way. The journey to Jerusalem was the way for Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And Mark 11, Mark 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it was written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. You know, he's talking about John the Baptist, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the paths for him. He writes about how John prepared the way for Jesus, and Jesus will then show all of us the way to eternal life. So grateful for that. It's a journey that the way of Jesus leads to Jerusalem, to sorrow, to Calvary, to the dark of Good Friday, but also to the joy of the resurrection of Easter morning. 
John the baptizer was revolutionary, preached a baptism for repentance, for the forgiveness of sin. This was a contrast to the established order. Because when Jesus came, he also challenged the role of the temple. That's why the religious people hung him on the cross was because he was messing up their deal. Now, we can all agree with that, but have you ever had God mess up your deal? It's one thing to be happy about somebody else getting their deal messed up. But when God starts messing with your deal, I'm, you stay with me, I'm not through yet. I'm talking about perspective here. He was speaking to his body and how he'd come to, to replace the temple. He said, I'll, 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 this temple will be torn down and it'll rise up in three days. They, were, they thought he was talking about the regular temple. He was talking about his body. What he was saying was is that this temple, the thing that you come to worship, that these th hundreds of thousands of people come and you bring your sacrifices and you get your sins forgiven in this temple. He's saying that I'm going to do away with this temple and I'm going to raise up people and I'm going to inhabit people and their body is going to be my temple and they are going to be able to bring themselves as a sacrifice and take up their cross daily and follow me. And it's not going to be about the place that you worship. It's going to be about you because I will be in you. You won't be having to travel anywhere so you can get with me because I'm going to go with you wherever you go. Yeah. Messed them up. Messed up to church people. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of church people in America that need to get messed up. We need some good messing up business. A lot of tradition people are still hanging on to. In many religions, it's still about the temple. It's still about the place. With Jesus, it is about the place, but it's about the place. The place is you and me and every believer. He performed miracles he just messed them up. He performed miracles on the Sabbath. He forgave their sins. You know, that, they, that really messed with their minds. He also proclaimed that, the, that he would destroy the temple, rebuild it again in three days. The first time Jesus speaks in the gospel of Mark, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says the way to that kingdom. He says the time is near. He said the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The word for repentance means more than just feeling sorry. In Greek, the, the root of the word indicates taking action or making a change. So in repentance, when we repent and we're able to come into the presence of God, thank God that we can come into the presence of God, that we can do that. I did that just before church tonight. You probably did it this morning. You did it before church. We can all go into the presence of God no matter where we're at and we can bring ourselves to God and ask him to purify us because it's never too late to choose the right parade. It's never too late to repent and follow Jesus. You know, I imagine a lot of people in Jerusalem that morning, they probably woke up and said, what parade do you want to go to? Should we go to Pilate? It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot more bling to it. Or do you want to go see Jesus? You see, it's a good question, isn't it?
There's a lot of things that this world offers and a lot of bling, but I'm going to tell you something. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. So we might be tempted to go see Pilate. You see the same people who cried Hosanna on Sunday were the same ones that cried crucify him. However, if we had lived in the same time under the same place, if we had suffered, suffered under the Roman rule, you may not like this, but we might have made the same mistake. Given the same circumstances, given the same perspective, we might have done the same thing. But the thing that's different about us from them is that we have the whole story now. We have the story of the resurrected Jesus. We have the, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. We have the entire word of God to tap into. We have all the benefits. Can you say thank you, Jesus? All the benefits so that we can overcome and be who God has called us to be. Material goods and wealth are pretty tempting. Rome was powerful, incredibly wealthy. Pilate put on a great spectacle for the Palm Sunday. Probably more entertaining. The people were expecting a savior, a messiah to come and to come to them from the line of David. They expected him to come as a warrior king. Instead, they received a humble, intentional rabbi on the back of a donkey. It's understood that many would confuse and choose to, to join the wrong procession. I'm thankful that it's never too late to choose to follow Christ's perception, Christ's procession to the cross. It really has never been the most popular thing to do. How many knows that following Jesus sometimes can be difficult? I mean, you might as well come out and say it. It can be difficult. It leads through Jerusalem to the darkness of Good Friday, but it also leads to the resurrection. It leads us home, honestly, to a new Jerusalem, which is in heaven. The absolute worst decision is to justify the wrong decisions that we make. In doing that, it makes it acceptable to us. I think it's important to, at this point in time to understand that we all make mistakes along the way. And there was a lot of people in Jerusalem that day that made some very wrong mistakes. The same ones that said crucify Jesus. But someone said a long time ago, it's never too late to make the right turn off the wrong road. And that we can come to Jesus and he made himself available to us and the, the greatest gift that we can give to ourselves is to not accept the unacceptable. Does that make sense to you? It says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In other words, if we, and if it is sin, then we need to come to him and say, God, please forgive me. I've done wrong. I've, I've sinned. You sinned. We've all sinned. Amen? Amen. But, but the challenge that I want to leave with you tonight is... Don't become so accustomed to your sin that you 
begin to justify it and then not ever deal with it. As some of the people said. So it's a challenge today, and I can't do that for you, but every, each one of us, I have to do that for myself because there's times when I'm like, oh, God. Have you ever, you ever, ever done something wrong and then you kept repeating it? Raise your hand. My name is Randy Weaver. I've <laughs> the worst thing we can do is grow so accustomed to it that we don't stop going to Jesus about it. So the way leads through Jerusalem. It's a hard way, and it's a long journey. It goes through the sorrow of Holy Thursday, the anguish of Good Friday, the blindness of, of the Saturday before Easter, but the way also leads to the dawn of resurrection morning. Jesus came for what he could do for Jerusalem, and Pilate came for what Jerusalem could do for him. Why do you come to Jesus? Do you come to Jesus so he can do things for you? Or do you come to Jesus so you can do things for him? Well, we do both. But I'm telling you, if we get the worship part down and it says you have not because you ask not, it's not, it's not a sin to ask God for the desires of your heart. Amen. But when it only when it becomes a one-way street and we ask, we ask, we ask, and we don't ever give, don't ever give, don't ever give, then it's a messed up relationship. See, they don't, they don't tell you that at them foo-foo churches. Look at me, it's not even 8 o'clock yet. <laughs> Back when I was a kid, uh, like in my teenage years, we went to snow camp. Uh, snow camp is whenever you, uh, it's like in the wintertime and there's snow. <laughs> we, we would get on inner tubes and we'd go ride down the mountain. Anybody ever got on inner tubes and rode down? It's like a blast. It's like a blast. So we was doing that, and uh, the chapel bell rang just before lunch, and we were having so much fun. I told my friends, I said, let's not go to chapel because we're having too much fun. Well, about five minutes later, my mom, she always like <laughs> ringing in my ears, when those church doors are open, you better be in them. You know, I mean, she drilled that in me. And I got convicted. Anybody ever been convicted because you didn't go to church? <laughs> I was so convicted. I'm like, guys, we got to go. We just got to go. I know we're late. We got to go. So we go in there. There's about 100 people in there. We're, we're in the back, kind of drops off a little bit. And we're soaking wet from having so much fun. And the preacher starts preaching, and he's preaching about the will of God. And at that point in my time, that point in time in my life, I was like so interested in what God wanted me to do. I just, I was like, man, it's a crucial time in my life. So I was paying attention and, and he got to preaching and then I knew 
It was like nobody else was there. Anybody, you ever been in a church service and it's like, it's like you, you, know, you knew the preacher was preaching at you. It's like, and there wasn't like anybody else there. And so at the end of the service, everybody stood up. We all stood up and we was all praying. And, and uh, he said, I just feel like somebody needs to pray. And I knew that, I knew that was me. You know how you know. And so I'm in the back and I start praying. I'm crying and everything, because I'm I made up with, I'm just like Holy Ghost all over me. And uh, when I got through praying, waited a little while, and he says, I really appreciate this young man praying, but I really feel like Randy Weaver's supposed to pray. I was like, he didn't know it was me that prayed in the first place. So I tried to pray again. He's, it was just before lunch, and he's like, well, we're going to dismiss for lunch, and if you want to come down and pray, kind of like we do, you know, if you want to come down and pray, come on. If you don't, go eat lunch. And me and another guy, we went down there and prayed, and uh, we was the only two guys that went down there and prayed that, that, that morning, and he he became a missionary to Africa for 25 years. He was a missionary in Africa, and, and I got called into the ministry at that point in time. But when I, when I was reading this, this message and getting ready for today, what I realized happened was that at that point in time, I felt like God told me that he said, tell the owner of Randy Weaver that his master needs him. I think a lot of times we live <clears throat> far below what God can do through us and in us. I think many times we become, because of our perspective, we become, uh, we're not all we can be or all we were even created to be or all we were designed to be because we, we, we're good at sometimes beating ourselves up. But I just wanted to bring this message to you tonight and I want to tell you that the master is calling you. And he's saying, tell Tommy. That the master is in need of him. That he's in need of her. Because if we belong to Jesus, he's got a plan for us. And the master, the master needs you. It's such a wonderful gift to be needed by the master. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Thank you for your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, that you are Lord, just please do, Holy Spirit, in our hearts what, what we can't do for ourselves, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would help everyone here in this building 
tonight to understand their value. Lord, that, that their perspective of themselves and how you see them would be in line with the truth and the reality of, of, of your perspective. I thank you, Lord, that, that you are patient with me, goodness, that you're patient with all of us, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you, uh, you don't call the qualified. You qualify us when you call us, oh God, and you see things inside of us that we don't see in ourselves, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that you've made a way and you've made a place for each and every one of us. Lord, if you can use a donkey, <laughs> you can use us. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to be a part of your kingdom and a part of your plan for this earth. We're just, we're all struck by, by your uh, by your perspective. I pray, Lord, that your will would be done here on earth as you have planned it in heaven for each and every one of us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This evening, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, that's the first step in knowing Jesus. I want you to know that the Bible says that we've all sinned. We talked about it, but we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But the difference is, is the ones that have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, it doesn't mean that they're perfect, but what it means is that they have God to help them make decisions as they walk through life. And, and there, there's a peace that comes from knowing Jesus. You see, when Jesus came through the city of Jerusalem, he brought peace. When Pilate came, he brought the sword. Jesus comes into our life and, and he brings peace into us. And there may be a storm going on in, in the city or a storm going on inside of your life, but Jesus is going to bring peace even though there's a storm. So this evening, if you've never accepted him as your savior, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody? Yep, thank you. We're going to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to make him the Lord of my life. I don't, I don't want to go through life alone without Jesus. Thank you. Anybody? Anybody? Jesus' name. If you raise your hand, would you mind looking up at me, ma'am? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Would you mind doing that? I know it's kind of... I'd, I'd love to pray with you if you don't mind. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Praise the Lord. It's a beautiful day. What a great, my, my dad, believe it or not, my dad gave his life to the Lord on Easter Sunday. And uh, I'm like, where would I be if it wasn't for Easter Sunday? Tell me your name. Tammy, thank you so much. Can I pray with you? Okay, here's what the Bible says. It says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is alive, that he raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Let's all pray. Just repeat after me, Debbie. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you.
Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm so proud of you. Welcome to the family of God. Listen, don't look back. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. You know that. But God will help you through those problems. Just all prayer is, you know, it's just talking to him. And so just, just stay hooked up. It'll be all right. I'm proud of you. Bless you. Go visit this lady for just a second, if you don't mind. So proud of you. Would you stand with me, please? We always have a little time of prayer up here at the altar. If you'd like to come and spend some time at the altar, it's a great opportunity to touch base and, and just, to, just to humble ourselves before God and spend some time in prayer. If you feel like you must go, uh, uh, I invite you to take your conversations out uh, out into the lobby and let's honor those. If you, if you want to just stay in your seat and spend some time in prayer, Jesse's going to sing a little bit and uh, let's just, uh, uh, if you can, let's stay and let's pray for a little bit. Um, anybody here need to be more intentional with your life? My name's Randy Weaver. I could be more intentional with my life. Let's all raise our hands, and I want to pray for everybody, if you don't mind. Lord, I just lift everybody in this room up to you. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be more intentional. I pray, oh God, that we would learn from you. And you said that the steps of a good man are order of the Lord, so help us to be good men, good women. I pray, Lord, that you would order our steps. I pray that you would lead us and guide us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake that you give us your heart, your wisdom, Lord, as we, as we connect with other people throughout this week, as we connect with our family members, Lord, that you would, you, your, your unseen uh, presence would be there, oh God, and that you would guide us and direct us and help us to love like you love. And Lord, I just, I just speak joy into this congregation. And Lord, as we celebrate the fact that you are a risen Savior, we thank you, Lord, for all your blessings, and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you so much. God bless you all. We're going to spend a little time in prayer. If you have a prayer team up here, if you need special prayer, we'd love to have you. God bless you.